everyone, it is Stephanie Postles, the host of Up Next in Commerce. Before we get into our latest interview with another e-commerce leader, I wanted to let you know that the Up Next in Commerce podcast is now available for sponsorship for the first time ever. By partnering with us, your company will be connected to interviews with the most compelling founders, CEOs, VPs, and digital leaders in the world of commerce today. You have nothing to gain but thousands of followers and millions of impressions each and every month. Reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to see how your business can benefit from partnering with our team at Up Next in Commerce. There's an opportunity for digital experiences coming to life. I think experience and what that consumer experience is and how they can engage with your brand in deeper and deeper ways once they're at that interest point in the funnel or at various points in the funnel is going to continue to be an area of focus. It is rare that a brand has such reach and such impact that people all over the world can not just recognize it, but have memories of using the product for generations. Crayola is one of those rarities. Of course, Crayola was built around the production of crayons, but throughout its more than 115 years in business, Crayola has vastly expanded its product offerings and worked to build a community of consumers who gather around the idea of creativity. But how do you sell that expanded brand and provide opportunities for customers to find and interact with you in new ways? On this episode of Up Next in Commerce, Josh Crew, the Senior Vice President of Brand Marketing and Digital Strategy at Crayola, joined us to discuss some of the strategies he is putting into place to increase brand awareness, expand digitally, and offer experiences for all kinds of audiences. Because whether your company is a century old or a brand new startup, finding ways to adapt and expand will always be important. Enjoy this episode. Up Next in Commerce is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. Respond quickly to changing customer needs with flexible e-commerce connected to marketing, sales, and service. Deliver intelligent commerce experiences your customers can trust across every channel. Together, we're ready for what's next in commerce. Learn more at salesforce.com slash commerce. Welcome back to Up Next in Commerce. This is your host, Stephanie Postles, co-founder of mission.org. Today on the show, we have Josh Crew, the Senior Vice President of Brand Marketing and Digital Strategy at Crayola. Josh, welcome. Hi, good to be here. It's really exciting to have you on. I was actually just playing with some crayons with my two and a half year old right before this, trying to get prepped for the interview. <laughs> Excellent. That's good. Yeah, it's right top of mind like now. That. Yeah. So I want to hear a little bit about what led you to Crayola. Uh, sure. So, you know, I grew up kind of in a, uh, in a traditional brand marketing capacity. I uh, started my career at Kraft and Dannon and had spent, uh, you know, a lot of time building businesses there. But when the opportunity came calling to come to Crayola, which is, you know, one of the most iconic brands in the world. Yes. Uh, it's one of those brands where people, you know, you say that you work at Crayola and everyone sort of has A, a memory and then B, their face lights up. And they generally ask you a fun question like, oh, who names the colors? You know, it's just, uh, it's one of those brands that has touched so many people and pretty much everybody uh, along the way. And so for me to get the opportunity, you know, I joined Crayola to lead the marketing communications group. It was an opportunity to, uh, to be a part of that brand, part of the mission, which I think is really wonderful, which is all about, you know, celebrating and nurturing and helping to spark the creativity in children and giving parents and teachers the tools to do that, you know, and then the chance to, to bring some energy to the brand. And, you know, I don't want to say revitalize it, but 
contemporize it, uh, make it relevant for today's kids and parents and, uh, you know, lead a great team through that process. Yeah, that, that's great. So, I mean, Crayola, it's been around since I think it's the 1880s, right? Yeah, we are over 115 years old. So uh, started with eight little crayons. Edward Binney, our founder, you know, his wife wanted kids to be able to uh, color the world as they saw it. And so we launched with eight crayons. And that's actually where Crayola comes from. Cray meaning chalk and Ola is sort of like oily chalk mm-hmm. with the colors. And so uh, a lot has happened over the last, you know, 115 plus years in terms of the brand. But what's amazing is that, you know, the mission and the purpose of the company is still always really remain the same. Yeah, that, that, that's really cool. So what does your day-to-day look like at Crayola? Because I'm sure you're, you know, you've seen a lot of shifts happening over the many years that you've been there or throughout the brand as a whole. Like, I'm sure you've heard of shifts. Like, what are you doing now that maybe was different than, you know, a couple of years ago? Wow. There's a lot to unpack in that. I think, yes. first of all, my, ro- my role has certainly evolved. You know, you can go, or I personally can go from a meeting, you know, where we're talking about, you know, e-commerce marketing strategy to looking at, you know, pieces of creative or creative work that we're, we're building out for holiday to a meeting where we're looking at what our strategy is going to be going forward from an annual planning perspective. Uh, you know, I manage our interactive business right now. So it could be a, a meeting where we're looking at what are the next updates or the plans for our apps and how are they performing? So it, it really, you know, it can touch all different parts of the business. Um, and I think that's, you know, part of, the joy of working for a brand like this and in my role. It's everything from all the brand marketing, but now most recently digging deeper into the digital and e-com side of things and helping to guide the company in that way. So you never know what's going to come on any given day, but I think that's what keeps it fun. That's great. So you were just mentioning apps, and I think that would be fun to kind of dive into Crayola's mobile efforts, because I think, you know, when I think of Crayola, I of course think of the crayons that we have in our living room, but I'd love to hear how you guys think about building out apps and like, how do you know what's going to work or what doesn't? Like, how do you think about what you want to invest in when it comes to that area? So that is a, that's a great question. I think, it, you know, it's been a really interesting journey for us in the app space. We've actually been making apps for over a decade now, uh, oh, but wow. the way that we've been doing it has really evolved. So this, you know, predates my time even, but we had what, what we called here physical to digital apps, which was this idea of how do you merge physical creativity and digital creativity and bring them together in an app. And we, we were, you know, working hard at that. We had, you know, the first augmented reality coloring books that were out there. We had augmented reality based animation. We had all these products. And I think ultimately what we figured out was, you know, we have to be okay with kids being creative in the digital space. And I think, you know, overarching what, what you recognize is that if you look at kids, you know, free time in a pie, they're spending more and more time with technology. Depending on the age of the kid, it can be upwards of 30 plus percent of their time with technology. And certainly within that, they're being creative. So what is the best way for Crayola to play there? And we evolved from this kind of idea that you had to do something physical or physically creative, which is at the core of what Crayola has been about for well over 100 years, to what is modern creativity look like for a kid. And I think that's really where we where we set out to build from an app perspective, right? You know, looking at it and, and then you start to ask yourself, you know, we've got a, a variety of different apps today. We've sort of got a flagship app called Create and Play, which is really the premium Crayola experience, everything that you could want from digital creativity that's sort of targeted to younger kids in that three to five space. And then we've got other apps that are out there that are supporting different brands or IP or products. I think for, you know, our flagship app, what we really wanted was to create an experience that was, if you think about opening a crayon box, what is the magical experience 
that a kid gets from opening the crayon box. I'm sure your two and a half year old can relate to the smell of the crayons and the, say, the, smell. Of the color, yes. right? So you got, you got all of that there. And how do you bring that into the app space? And how do you also empower them to kids to express themselves creatively? You know, what we wanted to do here was help kids learn through creativity, but without really knowing they were learning, right? So it's all through play, you know, and I think from a per- parent perspective, so two and a half, maybe, or maybe not be a little bit young for your kid, but um, parents want to feel good about what their kids are doing on an app. And so how can we give a wholesome experience as well? Uh, so that was really the approach that we took there. We built out a variety of different apps and continue to expand on the content. And it's, it's a really great way to foster digital creativity. Very cool. Do you have any tips or things that you found out along the way when you're trying to make sure that you're staying true to the brand, you know, that everyone loves? And like you said, the being able to do things in the real world, like actually draw on stuff is like an important part of it while also moving forward in this digital arena. Yeah. So I think the fun part about being in an app is being okay with the fact that there are fantastical things that you can do to express yourself in the app space. So for us, it was, it's always about staying true to the essence of the brand, but our brand is really all about creativity, right? So you can color with a crayon and make marks on paper and that's wonderful. You know, how do we exaggerate that in the app space? So it's delivering that magical experience for a kid. So you can color with flames in the app, for example, or, you know, you can express yourself in different ways, right? So we have uh, a whole area in the app that's all around pets and pet play and pet care. And, you know, you can dress them up, color on them, make music with them. You know, it's, it's all creativity in a different way. But I think for us, it's about letting kids express themselves, whether it's physical or digital. And I think, you know, for us, the other thing that is true about any, whether it's physical or digital creativity is there is no such thing as bad creativity, right? So we celebrate everything, whether you made like a random circle on a paper or whether you painted a Picasso, it's all celebrated. It all goes into the gallery and every kid should be proud of what they create. Yeah, that, that's great. How do you stay ahead of what kids are looking for? It seems, I mean, when I think about my kids, I'm like, I have no idea. Sometimes they like certain things that I'm very surprised <laughs> by, or, you know, I think they're going to love something. And I buy them this really cool gift and then it's like a flop. So like, how do you guys kind of stay innovating in that area and stay inside the kids' heads of like knowing what they're going to enjoy and like? Oh, well, I cer- certainly there, there's an aspect of just being immersed in the world of kids' apps and playing with other kids' apps and understanding mm-hmm. what's out there. But then, you know, you're also always looking for what's trending and making sure that we're staying on top of that from a trends perspective. And you can sort of pick it up by just, you know, the amount of research that we do with kids and talk to kids in general, you can sort of get a flavor for what they're doing. And then we also do a lot of user testing as well along the way to validate the concepts and the content that we're building out. Very cool. And how do you think about like you're building these apps that I would say encourage, you know, the kids to play around for a long time? Like, is it are you mostly focused on having someone really engage with these apps? Or are you also building apps that are focused on, you know, conversions of maybe selling like actual products? Or is it kind of a little bit of both? Uh, It depends on the app, right? So, you know, our flagship create and play app, that's actually a subscription app. So you can go into that app and you'll be able to play, you know, with call it a quarter of the app for free. But if you want the full experience, we're monetizing it through subscription. And I think if you look at the app space in general and the kids space, it's really moving in that direction from, you know, premium and freemium. And it has been for a few years into subscription. And, you know, the win for us there, certainly I'm happy that we're monetizing it. But, you know, we see kids on average playing, you know, 25 to 30 minutes a day 
with deep, deeply engaging in your brand. I mean, that's mm-hmm. sort of hard experience to replicate. And then there are other apps where, where it is just free. So I think the most recent one we launched was probably nine or 10 months ago. It was called uh, Scribble Scrubby Pets, which is an IP that we have. It's actually a toy-based app. And that really is, it's a totally free experience. You know, again, we want kids to immerse and connect with the brand and we'll see them averaging 20 plus minutes a day with it. And there are different things you can do. You can, you know, so there's call it almost 40 different scrubby pets in there. You can unlock them either by buying the product and that's the shortcut to unlocking pets, or you can just continue to play and engage with the brand and do activities and unlock the pets that way. So the conversion will happen more down the line and it really is about generating that brand awareness and brand love. So when thinking about your e-commerce and your website experience, what are you guys doing on that front right now? And what are you seeing that's working? Like what maybe what step of or what stage are you guys in with selling online? Whereas I guess I still think of you as I would go to the store maybe to buy some crayons right now. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, It's been a total evolution for Crayola. If you go back 10 or 15 years ago, or maybe even shorter, you know, two of our biggest crust customers were Toys R Us and, uh, and Kmart. Yeah. I think we know Kmart. where they are right now. <laughs> so, exactly. Forgot about Kmart, them. You can imagine. Yeah. Uh, no. So we, we made a, a very concerted effort at Crayola probably three or four years ago, recognizing that e-commerce and specifically Amazon were going to be a huge factor in how consumers shop. And we really pivoted the business, built out, you know, a totally siloed e-commerce team to grow that, that was partnered with my team on the marketing side and the content side and put a a huge amount of organizational effort and resources against growing that part of the business. So I'd say, I feel like we're pretty far along from an e-com perspective, both from, uh, you know, where our sales are coming from and how consumers are buying our products, but also internally from a a talent perspective, from a process perspective, from a knowledge-based perspective uh, in terms of grabbing growth in that platform. But it's been, you know, a three four-year evolution in getting there. Mm-hmm. So, and now you see how things are playing out and it's, you know, even more accelerated, you know, when you look at the onset of the COVID pandemic and, you know, I feel really good about the place that we're in right now to be where consumers are. Ultimately, that's kind of what we have to follow, right? Yeah. So what platforms did you guys move towards and which ones are you seeing the most success with right now? So we've had a DTC business for, uh, you know, maybe close to five years right now, but I think we really prioritized growing with, you know, our, our retailer platforms, Amazon being the number one focus, but, you know, not far behind that are the targets and the Walmarts of the world. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think in the last six months, we've seen just every retailer become an omni-channel retailer. Uh, but I'd say, you know, we put a tremendous focus on, you know, probably if, if you think about where our Crayola business goes through those three players with Amazon kind of leading the way, obviously from a share of an e-commerce perspective, we've taken the lessons from there and really extrapolated them and leveraged them you know, across all the other selling platforms, you know, to put our best foot forward and be everywhere the consumers are from an e-com perspective. Yeah. So what, what kind of lessons did you learn from Amazon that you're applying on the other platforms now? Certainly understanding how to leverage search, you know, and paid search was a big one and understanding, you know, how that sort of, and even organizationally, you know, we're a company that's been built on brick and mortar sales for a hundred plus years, just adapting the mentality internally of understanding that, you know, there's an endless sea of products. And, you know, when you're buying search or when you're buying those placements, you know, you're basically merchandising yourself and it's all about, call it quote unquote, physical availability in the digital space. And so we spent a ton of time learning how to optimize that experience and finding the right partners to help us get there. 
and then ha- have really leveraged those learnings. And then I'd say from a content perspective too. So Crayola, you know, I think when you're walking down a store, you can, you know, you look at a shelf and you experience all sorts of different connections to the brand and, and triggers based on the products that you're seeing on a shelf. When you're shopping online, it's a little bit harder. And so from a content perspective, we've worked really hard, first of all, from a discovery, just written content and driving traffic and a lot of effort there in understanding that, but also from a visual content perspective and now evolving much more into video content because we want our products to come to life. You know, at the end of the day, we want a parent or, or a kid who's looking at our product detail pages or seeing any visual content that we put online to have connection and inspiration to what they can actually create with our products. And so there's been a lot of effort put around visual and video content to bring the product to life and you know, drive that conversion. Yeah. Are there, so when you're making this video content, are there any specific platforms that are working really well, whether it's like YouTube or like, what are you guys utilizing to get that content out into the world to be found? We'll typically host on YouTube, but we, we've spent uh, more time, especially from a parent's perspective, focused around social platforms to drive a lot of the content. But then I think what, what we found is that our consumers, when they get onto the product detail pages, are really looking through all the images and videos. And now you're starting to see it be more prevalent, even you know, played up before you get to a product detail page. So the use of videos on Amazon is certainly growing. You know, so we're kind of, it really depends on where the audience is and what, what stage of the funnel they are. But we're leveraging video as much as possible everywhere. You know, whether it's in our paid marketing or organic marketing on social platforms throughout and throughout e-commerce. I think YouTube is becoming a, a bigger and bigger focus for us, specifically from a kid perspective. Mm-hmm. And if you just look at, you know, I think there was a recent study that came out, you know, kids are spent, 70% of kids are on YouTube. Yep. It depends on the age, obviously, but kids are literally spending upwards of 90 minutes a day on YouTube. And, you know, if you want to connect with kids, it's kind of hard to say you, you shouldn't be there. Like You, you got to be there. And I think mm-hmm. we're seeing, you know, a tremendous amount of content focused to kids there. And, and we're no different in terms of how we think about specifically video content. Yeah. What about TikTok? Are you guys trying, trying out a good old TikTok or not yet? Uh, no, we, we actually have, you know, so most of our products are geared towards younger kids, right? The real sweet yeah. spot of Crayola is kind of in that four to seven, three to seven range. And I mean, some of those kids are on social media, although they shouldn't be. Yeah. Uh, but we do have a few product lines. And, and certainly I think, you know, with the adult coloring phase that, that happened, if you remember that in 2016, yes. I think it really inspired a lot of adults and teens and tweens to get back into the creative space and sort of find their own creativity. And so, um, you know, when TikTok came out, we've, started, we've been certainly dabbling in that space uh, with a variety of our different brands. We have, we have uh, you know, a line of writing tools called Take Note that's it's all about sort of expressing yourself through colorful note-taking. And um, we played there a little bit. And I think there is a ton of just organic user-generated content around Crayola. And it can be everything from the weirdest product we've ever launched, like something called Globals, where someone posts a video, it catches on virally, and all of a sudden it's selling out on Amazon like crazy. So what is a Global? <laughs> <laughs> a global is a uh, small, I don't even know how to describe it. Think of it like the size of a silly putty egg, but it's sticky. Okay. Uh, and you can sort of like mash them together and throw them at walls and they'll stick to ceilings and kind of just Ooh. be creative in a, in a weird way. That sounds very <laughs> but, therapeutic. Uh, it is. It, it is therapeutic and you can sort of like, you know, get creative with them and in, in ways to play with them. Um, but it, it's, 
you know, the power of these different platforms, you can see it in something as silly as that, where we're still seeing a spike in search on globals, you know, on our DTC site. Um, but, great. you know, for the most part, to reach our audience, I would imagine that similar to what we've seen with Facebook and Instagram, you're already seeing it throughout, you know, the last six months that TikTok, there are older people getting onto TikTok and parents getting onto TikTok. Yep. And, um, you know, there's a place for us to continue to experiment there for sure. Yeah, that, that's what was coming to mind. So I'm on there, but I follow a lot of other moms. And right now, a big trend is trying to figure out ways to keep your kids entertained with all the kids who are home and not going to school. I'm like, oh, it seems like a good opportunity to connect with, you know, fellow moms out there who are like, how do I keep my kids occupied? Well, no, that, that's great. You know, going back to your question about video content, I mean, what we're looking at is, you know, what social platforms can we get it out there? And for the last six months, the team from a content perspective, has been really focused on appointment programming. Mm-hmm. So this idea of, hey, we're going to have a creative activity for you every day. Yeah. And whether that's Crayola filmed or whether, you know, we're partnering with a ton of different called micro-influencers that are out there. It can be in the crafting space and the calligraphy space and kids crafts, adult crafting. And so, you know, it's a great point that you raise of folks are at home, whether it's themselves or their kids and looking for creative inspiration. And, uh, you know, we're doing our best to be across all platforms to share that. So. Uh, I think it's a great point. So you just mentioned micro influencers. How are you guys partnering with them and how are you measuring if it's successful or not? Because that seems like a topic that a lot of people are trying and we've had some guests say, oh, that, you know, that doesn't work. And then other guests say, oh, it's working really well for us. So I want to hear how is a, you know, a legacy brand partnering with someone like that and like, how are you guys tracking if it's successful or not? Yeah, I guess, you know, for me, I don't necessarily look at that as performance marketing. For me, it's all about generating brand awareness and connectivity with consumers. And, you know, I think part of the job that we have uh, in the marketing group at Crayola is most people do think of us as the crayon company. And so even you yourself said in the beginning of the call, right, crayons, but we have, you know, hundreds of other products in the space. And so for me, I I look at this as more upper funnel activity. Um, And so we're looking at, you know, viewer engagement, video completes and, and things of that nature but I'm not necessarily trying to correlate it to uh, all, all the way through to conversion. I think still throughout mo- much of the year, a large part of our conversion is going to happen at retail. You know, it's just not big enough necessarily to track back to that performance, but ultimately I want as many eyeballs on it and watching as much of those videos as possible. Cause that's generating brand awareness for me. Yep. So do you like, are you guys making an active effort to kind of be known as not just crayons, but other things? Or are you kind of just okay with being like, we're putting out great things and if people are using it, we're okay with not everyone associating us with those products. Like, how are you thinking about that branding? I think we'll always be known as a crayon company to a degree, yeah. Yeah. but no, uh, not, not okay with it. I think our job is really to help consumers understand that we have everything from a full range of arts and crafts products to creative toys. And, you know, I don't view our competitive set as crayons per se, you know, I think our competitive set is really kids free time. And the more that, you know, the more that we can help showcase all the different range of options and great products that we have available, the more it will fit into kids lives. When I think about what we're really enabling and what we're about, we're about self expression, and creativity, and we're a creativity company. And so I wouldn't want to define that by crayons, you know, as we talked about before, we want you to be creative with Crayola in an app, I want you to be able to paint or I want you to be able to color and recolor your scribble scrubby pets and be creative and express yourself in that way. You know, I'm good with all of it. Great. Yeah, that's a good answer. So for going forward over the next couple of years, or before this call, you were mentioning that you were in a meeting talking about like how to maybe invest around e-commerce. And I wanted to hear your thoughts on 
Like, where are you guys headed? What are you looking to invest in? What new things are you trying out to meet the market either now or in the future? Yeah, so that's a great question. So I think, you know, when I think about the e-commerce space, it was hard in the beginning to figure out what is the right amount to invest. And you've heard all sorts of numbers thrown around, you know, is it, you know, just whatever you can carve out of your budget and dedicate it there? Is it a percent of net revenue, a percent of gross revenue? When you think about e-commerce, and it seems kind of silly looking back on it now, it really is a math model, right? It's the number of eyeballs you get times your conversion rate. So how many eyeballs can I get to the pages, to the product pages? And then what am I converting them at? And then, you know, what is my average sales price or what are the products that I'm sell- are they selling for? And that's, you know, eventually going to be how you generate your, your growth and your numbers. And so, you know, the way that I've been looking at it and been pushing the team to look at it has been, all right, what, what is the traffic that we need to drive? And look at every element in this, right? You know, what's the traffic that we need to drive and how are we going to get there? So I think for us on many of the e-commerce platforms, you know, whether you're talking about Amazon or walmart.com, it's first and foremost, search is the lowest hanging fruit. How do we maximize that as much as possible? And we have enough historical data over the last few years that we can figure out an investment model on what it's going to take to get there. And I think beyond that, as we look towards the out years, because eventually, you know, we haven't reached a point of nearly a point of diminishing returns there, but we're always trying to figure out if it's e-commerce, how do I drive those page views? You know, is it experimenting with different tools on Amazon's platform, looking at them as a DSP? So am I looking at AMG type tools, addressable TV? You know, what, what else can I do to drive those eyeballs? You know, it comes back to the math and the return on ad spend, which certainly in the e-com world, we're very, we're very focused on. Mm-hmm. And then I think, you know, it's also about pulling the other levers, right? Like, so if I can move my conversion rate on a big business by a half a point, that's pretty significant. So what are the areas that we're going to invest in from a content perspective as well to try to drive and pull every lever to ensure that we're continuing to drive growth? And I think broadly, you know, the mentality that we have as just a marketing team, I won't call it digital marketing because I just think it's marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, have a, we embrace a test and learn mentality. And, you know, we're always looking out there, whether that's talking to our peers in the industry, partnering with agencies, just generally, you know, being consumers ourselves, what are the things that we're seeing that we should be testing? So, you know, a great example now would be shoppable social, right? If you think about our brand and we're putting out all this inspirational content, how do we try and shorten that funnel and make the, make the content more shoppable? And I don't know if it's necessarily huge yet, but I believe it will be. Mm-hmm. And so how do we start to, you know, build our knowledge base and our skill set in that regard too? So, you know, I think there's different ways to look at different spaces of investment, uh, but that's kind of how we're approaching it. I really like the point about shoppable experiences. I've actually thought that that seems so behind to me. Like even right now when I'm on Instagram, I mean, I know Pinterest is doing it now, but it it seems like this is something that should have been around a long time ago and it's just starting to pop up, but the experience still isn't there. Any thoughts on why that's been such a slow transition or something that I think should have been here what feels like a long time ago? I think it's all, you know, it's it's interesting for for why maybe it has or has not caught on. Certainly everyone's investing behind it, like interest, uh, sorry, Pinterest and their partnerships, looking at Instagram and where they're trying to go. I think it's got to be all about convenience. So, you know, I'm curious to see what the consumer behavior is. Sometimes you might be in a shop, you know, in a shopping mindset. Other times you might just be looking to scroll through and, you know, do you really want to leave the platform? So, and we're seeing it, you know, the investment in how do we just create a more seamless, convenient experience that doesn't disrupt what you're trying to do? You know, ultimately with anything in the digital space, I think, 
you know, kind of comes back to that, you know, what mentality are you in and how convenient is it going to be? Mm-hmm. I think we see that with, gen, you know, the general e-com growth that we're seeing, right? Like the pandemic forces you to uh, all of a sudden adopt new buying habits, right? Whether you're on Instacart or wherever else, and then all of a sudden it's convenient. And so those are the types of things that stick. Um, so I'm just wondering if, you know, from a shoppable social perspective, you know, have we truly hit the peak of convenience and ease, but I, I'm sure it's going to improve. YouTube also now investing in the space. So, you know, I think it's clearly an area of opportunity, but it seems to be that the industry is moving that way. Yeah. It also seems like there's a strategy there of building content that's, you know, focused on conversions where someone's going to be watching it and they're going to want the things that are in that video versus like you said, maybe someone goes to a video and they're not really in that mindset, but maybe also the content is not focused towards, you know, a conversion mm-hmm. or towards like you need the products that are in here to be able to even do this. Yeah. And I think we're going to continue to see those two worlds blend, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of performance marketing mixed with content and converting the content into commerce. I know it, that's, that's an area that we've been talking about for years from a Crayola perspective, because it's hard to look at a box of making it up metallic markers and understand what you can do with it. But if I can connect those metallic markers to a beautiful piece of what we call, you know, crayolligraphy, and then I can connect that to a bundle that will teach you how to do it. Now we're really starting to merge those things together. It's engaging from a viewing perspective and there's a practical outlet for you to now go get creative and do it yourself. Yeah. I think that also kind of circles back to where you were talking about creating daily in a way like lesson plans or something to keep someone engaged constantly, but then it, you know, opens up a whole thing of like, okay, let me get my supplies for this digital lesson plan that I'm going to be following along with. And it kind of creates a moat where, you know, you need to have Crayola's products to be able to go through this lesson plan and have fun and, you know, enjoy every step with the right products. Yep. And that, and that's exactly kind of the areas that we've been experimenting in. So we had a summer craft series, you know, with one of our, uh, uh, you know, micro-influencer partners out there and we're selling, you know, a craft box to get everything you need for that week of crafts along with it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think there's there's a world where, yeah, those those things start to make sense, and the more we can inspire you, that, that's that's really winning for us. You know, we want to inspire that creativity and give you the tools to do it. Yep, I love it. So, are there any brands that have been out there for a long time that you guys watch or that you partner with to kind of keep tabs on how they're doing things or how they're going through maybe a digital transformation or uh, just kind of like learning from them and watching where they go? You know, for me, I think one of the best out there certainly is Lego. Mm -hmm. I just think they have absolutely mastered it from, you know, everything from entertainment to community building, you know, best in class content to leveraging user generated content and tapping into passion points of consumers. You know, so I, I really love what they do. They're probably, you know, the number one brand that I would watch out there and just look at, you know, I mentioned YouTube before. I think they just eclipsed 10 billion views of their videos on YouTube. I mean, wow. truly doing all a lot of things right to grow their business. So I think they're a, they're a really great case study out there of how to build out content and you know really surround consumers, both kids and adults, with your brand, and then you know products to go along with it. I completely agree. I mean, I'm even thinking about that Lego movie, which to me is like so smart because I mean it connected with kids, but I think it actually was very sticky with parents as well. I mean, that was the first thing that comes to mind when it comes to like content that they, you know, were creating, has Crayola Mm -hmm. thought about creating something like that or backing a project like that, that would connect with, you know, kids and adults, but then also leave people talking about it? Yeah, I think it's certainly a place where there's opportunity. We haven't necessarily ventured there yet, but I wouldn't say, I would say anything's on the table certainly is I think the, the world of content 
you know, is constantly evolving. And so, you know, while it maybe is not necessarily entertainment in that sense, we have, since we actually have um, five Crayola experiences that have opened up around the country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, depending on where you are, that could be, you know, four to five floors of immersive creative experiences where parents and kids are coming in and spending three to four hours there and just delving into the brand. And so there's all sorts of ways, you know, from an experiential perspective to connect with consumers. And I think, you know, what you'll see from us, certainly in the YouTube space is, you know, starting to dip our toes into the water of content in that sense. So I wouldn't say it's anything that that is imminent, but certainly um, you never know where it's going to go. And I think Creole is one of those brands that can play in lots of spaces like that. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point about creating experiences. I think there's going to be a lot of pent up demand after, you know, staying at home for as long as we have and having places that you can go to experience the brand and the product and have fun. seems like a really strong strategy going forward after all this kind of calms down. Yeah. I think when you look at just, you know, general consumer sentiment and what they're saying, and it's been trending this way for years is that people are looking for experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting is they can be physical. So in a store or in a location, like a Crayola experience, but I do think there's an opportunity for digital experiences coming to life too. So I think I saw the other day L'Oreal sort of introducing a new way to buy your cosmetics and makeup and making it more experiential. So I think, you know, experience, you know, and what that consumer experience is and how they can engage with your brand in deeper and deeper ways once they're sort of at that interest point in the funnel, um, you know, or at various points in the funnel is going to continue to be an area of focus. Yep. What about community? How are you guys thinking about curating and building on a community to where I'm sure a lot of parents and kids would all want to talk and hang out and show projects together. And I could see you guys having a really good angle there. How are you all approaching the community aspect of your brand? It's a good question. I think, you know, with kids, it's a little bit more challenging um, in that, you know, you've got all sorts of privacy regulations there. And so creating a closed community and getting kids to join that is a pretty, pretty tall order, I think. Mm -hmm. From a parent perspective, we've actually really been more focused on, you know, that sense of community on social platforms rather than trying to create our own um, and pushing out our content there and engaging with consumers in that sense. So uh, I think we're, we're trying to be where consumers are versus necessarily building something big and trying to get them to come to us. And I think we have the type of brand that can be relevant in all sorts of ways in people's lives every day. And so, you know, following their lead and where they are and that can be everything, again, from social platforms to, you know, native content that we're, that we're developing, et cetera. So, you know, I'd say that's kind of how we've approached community versus necessarily building it ourselves. That makes sense. So I want to think a little bit higher level around just the e-commerce playing field in general. What kind of disruptions do you see coming to e-commerce? You know, I think the demand of convenience will just continue to set the bar higher and higher for brands and put Mm -hmm. more and more challenges on brands and probably more retailers and brands themselves. But ultimately, then it starts to come back to the brands themselves, right, or the suppliers uh, in that in terms of, you know, how we supply product, you know, where the inventory is being held, all those types of questions. So I think we'll we'll continue to see that push on convenience. And I think those are going to be the folks that win. I think Target's a perfect example right now of how they approached it. But I think you know, it'll only continue to expand. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to say it's a major disruption, but I think it just this change is going to force a lot of organizations to look at themselves a little bit differently. There's all these organizations that you know have been built on brick and mortar businesses. And how do you, you know, it's going to continue to evolve. Ecom is not going away. I think to that earlier point of what becomes a part of people's shopping habits is there. 
So how do you adapt internally as an organization to continue to put out product and content at the speed of which consumers are demanding it in that space? And then there's, I think, as more and more shopping shifts online, how does buy online, pick up in store, disrupt what we're doing? How does a lack of impulse purchases disrupt what we're doing from a company? You know, and I think it's just going to be an evolution of how we go to market. Mm-hmm. And I guess the other interesting thing that I've been thinking about recently is just the power of brands in this space. And again, the shift to e-com, it's always been coming. Maybe it's been accelerated, but it's coming more. But can bigger brands, you know, there's been a resurgence in bigger brands in this space. And is there an emphasis, a, you know, a renewed emphasis on brand building as everyone starts to move online? Will the big brands win? Will they win the search? Will they win the share of space? Sort of the infinite shelf space. You know, they're winning in the pandemic. Can that continue? Yeah, that's a good point. I think that bigger brands seems like they would, of course, have a leg up because, you know, the people who are coming online who maybe weren't always there before, they're already top of mind or that's already, you know, someone that they trust. But it does seem like there's also a lot of room to kind of gather that new trust or, you know, get that brand awareness out there in a way that wasn't done before. Yep. And I also just wonder if the standards are going to change for what that experience is going to be that you expect from a big brand, right? Sometimes digitally native brands can be more nimble, deliver more personalized experiences. Is it a more, you know, experiential experience that you're looking for, whether that's in store in the digital space, you know, how do the expectations change for, from a go-to-market perspective? And I think that'll, that'll continue to evolve. Yeah. With so many of these new brands popping up now, I mean, it sounds like I mean, there's a lot of new great companies that are popping up, but it also seems very noisy. And that could also maybe hurt the consumer experience if they have a couple bad, you know, purchasing experiences with smaller brands. So how do you Mm -hmm. guys stay focused and not kind of, you know, get caught up in all the noise and have like your true north of like, this is where I'm headed and this is what we need to do without getting caught up in maybe the trends or the quick things that are going on right now? Uh, Yeah, I mean, for us, it always has to be true, you know, for our, our true north ultimately is the mission and that funnels down into everything that we do, right? So what kind of experiences do we want to give to um, people online? It's going to be in service of that mission. When we think about giving personalized experiences, it's how do we make that a better experience for you? But again, always in service of the mission, right? Like the creativity that, or the messaging or the crafts that I offer up to someone who's coming in that's an adult with no kids versus parent with a three-year-old, you know, those should be different experiences, but it always comes back to inspiring creativity in the best and most relevant way possible. And so, you know, I think if you've got solid ground in that regard, you can kind of cut through the noise and say, hey, these things are extraneous, but these things are in service of a better experience that brings our mission to the forefront. Yep. I love it. All right. So I want to shift over to the lightning round brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. This is where I'm going to ask a question and you have a minute or less to answer, Josh. Okay. Let's see see how I do. What new e-commerce tool are you trying out and having success with right now? I think one of the the tools that, I don't know if it's a tool. I do think Shoppable Social is an area that we have been focused on, as I mentioned. So I think we've seen, you know, in our little tests and learns, some success in that space as we try to merge content and commerce, and we'll probably continue to expand on that. Very cool. What is a favorite piece of tech or an app that makes you more efficient? That makes me more efficient? Or that you just love? (laughs) I was going to say, I went went to what app do I love right now? Yeah, there you go. What Um, app are you loving right now? So I would say it makes me more efficient. You know what? I wasn't a fan of Teams in the beginning. 
But I, I have actually found that Microsoft Teams has, has really helped from a connectivity perspective during this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it really has become, you know, very frequently used tool. The app that I'm loving right now is a tiny little app called Readwise, which okay. I think is super fun. Um, and Readwise basically, you know, if you ever read on a Kindle and take notes, or if you're reading books in general, it will actually uh, take the highlights and things that you've taken out of those notes. Or if you've read a physical book, it'll just take the most highlighted sections by other people of those books and serve them up to you in whatever increments you want every day. So okay. if you wanted five highlights a day, seven, and it just sort of helps to build and reinforce those memory structures of the things that you're reading out there. And that can be whether that's articles or whether that's books. I think it's a, a neat app that I've uh, grown to love over the last few months. That's cool. I'll have to check that one out. So what are you reading these days? Man, a lot of books during the, <laughs> a lot of books during the pandemic. Uh, some of the ro- most recent ones were uh, a couple of Brene Brown books, which is sort of all about uh, uh, workplace culture. Been reading a bunch of the Tim Ferriss books uh, that are out there. The Lean Startup uh, is a recent one that I read. So I don't know. I could probably keep going on a bunch of other ones, but there's, uh, I, don't, I don't know, for whatever reason, I've, uh, I've been reading a lot more recently. That's great. What's up next on your shopping list? Or actually, no, I have a different question. What is a favorite new product that Crayola just released? Like, what is your favorite newer product that maybe a lot of people don't know about yet? Oh, my favorite product that a lot of people don't know about yet. So I mentioned Scribble Scrubby Pets. I think that would be one of my favorite ones out there. And the other one is um, a a line that we launched last year called Take Note. I mentioned that that was sort of writing tools Mm -hmm. for, uh, you know, teens and tweens. So it's got, you know, erasable highlighters incredibly vibrant dry erase markers, gel pens, the whole works. And uh, I I really have grown to love that line of products and have many, many of them sitting on my desk in front of me and in my office here. Very cool. Well, Josh, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Where can people find out more about you and Crayola? So certainly finding out about Crayola, you can go to Crayola.com. For me, uh, I can't say that I'm a huge Twitter or LinkedIn poster, but at Josh Crew. You could follow me there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, generally, you know, just look for, look for Crayola wherever you'd be looking for creative inspiration. I love it. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. Up Next in Commerce is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud and created by the team at mission.org. Subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.